Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, July the 19th, 2022. It is currently 7.04 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Have a very important question for you this evening. I want you to listen carefully. Have you ever asked a spiritual question for the wrong reason? I want you to really think about that. Your your, your thought may be, wait, I I don't really understand the question. What do you mean ask a spiritual question for the wrong reason? Okay, just, just think about it. Have you ever asked a spiritual question, right? Or you tried to find a spiritual answer, but you did so for the wrong reason. Did you ever ask a spiritual question? Did you ever try to find a spiritual answer with the wrong motive? Your motivations were wrong. The question may have been good. Trying to find the answer may have been good, but you had the wrong motives. Did you do so for the wrong reason? I'm, I'm almost wishing there were people in front of me right now to see the look on people's faces because either it's going to be, oh, you see that kind of shaking the head like, Oh, been there a number of times. Or people kind of looking like, you're looking to each other. What is he talking about? I've never asked a spiritual question for the wrong reason or the wrong motive. Who would ever do such a thing? Well, I want you to think about that. And as you're thinking about that, I would like to welcome you to our ongoing Bible study exercise for this week, where we're looking at Luke chapter 10 and 2 Kings chapter 5. I've already given you a little bit of homework. Uh, I know at least, I, I think one, I think one individual I've seen their work, maybe, maybe two, I can't remember. It's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy week. But Luke chapter 10, 2 Kings chapter 5, hopefully you've been working on that homework. But most importantly, most importantly, I hope you've been spending your week with Luke 10 and 2 Kings chapter 5. The key to good Bible study is where you live with the text. You move in with the text. You live with it. You live with it. You read it. You read it. You spend time with it. You talk to it. In fact, you spend so much time looking at it, thinking about it, studying it, that you reach this kind of magical moment in Bible study where you stop studying the text and the text begins to study you. It's only Tuesday. Hopefully you have spent plenty of time with it. Now, I would like to sit here and tell everyone, you know what? I told everyone that, hey, new week of Bible study, spend time, live with Luke 10 and 2 Kings 5. Do so, spend time with it, right? I would like to tell everyone that I told you to do that. And then, because of circumstances beyond my control, in a roundabout way, I was handed the opportunity, right? Yes, the internet went down. Yes, there was power issues and all the different things that happened in my life. I won't go through them over the last, say, 24 hours. But that was in, in one way, I did have the opportunity because everything else was not working to sit down with a Bible and a notebook and spend time in Luke 10 and 2 Kings 5. And you know what I did? I allowed my circumstances to keep me from spending time in Luke 10 and 2 Kings 5. Now, I did spend a little bit of time. It's not like I just completely ignored it, but I had such an opportunity. I I was really handed an opportunity, but instead of seeing it as an opportunity, I saw it as a situation to get frustrated about. I really should have spent more time with it, but I spent a little time. And as I was spending time in it, I started reading Luke 10, our, our, the, the passage for our, our study this week, Luke 10, 25 to 37. Yes, Luke 10, 25 to 37. I want to make sure I give you the right reference. Luke 10, 25 to 37. But this is one of those situations. I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down, have my Bible, had a pencil, Luke 10. I read verse 25. And as soon as I read verse 25, it was almost like the words jumped I just literally off the page, slapped me in the face. And I was like, whoa, okay, we need to talk about that. The plan was to talk about it Monday when everything went horribly wrong and internet went down, power and all the other things that went down. But 
I at least had gotten this one major point. Now, I've spent the rest of the time just really thinking about this point. I wanted to go further into Luke 10 and spend some more time in 2 Kings, but I felt like if I if I went any further, then I, I would be... I would kind of be leaving this point before I had a chance to really talk to you about it. And the point that we're going to look at has everything to do with that question that I started this episode with. Let me ask it again. Have you ever asked a spiritual question for the wrong reason? Have you ever sought a spiritual answer for the wrong reason? Have you ever sought a spiritual answer or asked a spiritual question for the wrong motive? Now, I believe the answer should be an emphatic yes. I, Even though I don't know you, I can almost guarantee that if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you have been guilty of it. I know I have been guilty of it, and I've watched plenty of Christians be guilty of it. Because we have a tendency, listen, to look for spiritual truth, to look for spiritual answers for our own benefit and our own agenda. Christians will manipulate God for their own agenda. I have seen it happen too many times. And we're going to talk about that as we look at Luke chapter 10. Now, I, I'm not going to go, uh, I'm, we're just going to look at one verse. That's all we're going to do in this episode, okay? Luke 10, I know I'm a little behind, but I, I, I still wanted to break this one down into one episode by itself. All right, so are you ready? Here we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Here we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. Now, let, let's make sure we understand here the scene. We have Jesus there, okay? We have Jesus there. And, but be, before, okay, making sure, uh, I'm making sure that we're, I think we're having some problems on the Church One app, okay? All right, we're still having some internet issues, it looks like, okay? Hopefully we'll get that worked out before the evening is finished. All right, but here we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We have Jesus present. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. So we have a lawyer, he stands up, and his motivation is to tempt Jesus. Let, let's see how other translations handle this. That's Luke 10, 25. Luke 10, 25. Luke 10, 25. Luke 10, 25. And let's see how they handle this phrase. Luke 10, verse 24. See, there's verse 25. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him. So we got to tempt him, to test him. Before we go any further, I didn't even think about doing this, but I think it's important to do this right now. Let's do this. All right. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. All right, Luke chapter 10, we'll go to verse 25, Luke 10, 25, Luke 10, 25, I'm in the Blue Letter Bible app, and the word is, uh, the, the Greek word that is translated tempted here is this, Strong's G, 1598, ekpirazo, 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 Ekparazo, it is means to test thoroughly, to tempt, to prove, test thoroughly, to put to proof God's character and power. So uh, the Greek word again, one more time. Strong's G, 1598, ekparazo, ekparazo. Uh, it's used four times in the King James. All four times it's tempt, but it means to test thoroughly to tempt. The outline of biblical usage, to prove, test thoroughly, to put to proof God's character and power. 
So this lawyer stands up and he he he's his he's going to ask a question, but it's there to test. It's to somehow prove God's character. It's to it's to try to challenge him. You could almost argue in a sense it's there to try to trap him. He's asking a question. On one hand, you could go, well, man, this person is asking a spiritual question. It can look like it's being done for the right reason, but his motive and his reason is completely wrong. His motive and reason is completely wrong. So let's read the whole verse. Matthew chapter, or Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Sorry, get, being a little distracted because the Church One app is having a Sermons 2.0 app. The software is having all kinds of technical difficulties. It already sent out another uh, notification that we're live. So, of course, things still are not completely back to normal, but that's okay. We're still on the air on uh, uh, with the Spreaker platform, so we're just going to continue. All right? I'm just going to set that all aside. I've got to focus. So here we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. He's tempting Jesus, and he's going to tempt him, test him, right? Try to prove God's character by a question. Master, what shall I do to inherit life? What should I do to inherit life? Now, I'm not focused right now on the question I'm focused on the reason and the motivation for asking the question. So let's do this. Let's look at a a couple of commentaries and see what they do with this question, all right? Because this question just, there's a lot we can do with it, but I'm more interested right now in the the motivation here. So I'm going to go to Luke 10. I'm going to go to a commentary here. Verse 25, all right? Um... I'm going to see here, I'm going to see if they talk about why he asked the question, all right? Um, okay, um, is see here, okay, uh, they don't, see, do they really, do they really, Okay, okay, they do say this. It was a good question asked with a bad motive because the lawyer hoped to trap our Lord. So they they realize this is a good question, but it was a bad motive. That's what I want to focus on. How many times have you asked a good question? So it's a good question with a bad motive. How many times have you asked a good spiritual question, but your motive was completely bad? Your motive was completely wrong, but it would have looked good. And if anyone would have called you out for how you, about you asking the question, you probably would have gotten offended. I'm like, how dare you question why I'm asking this? You question why I'm asking this question. How dare you call me out? Because look, I'm asking a very important theological question. It's a better theological question than you've ever asked. How dare you question me? But I think it seems, I think at least for my reading of it in Luke 10, 25, the lawyer his goal here is not to gain spiritual truth. His goal here is to trap Jesus. He's testing. He's tempting. He's trying to trap Jesus. Let, let's see how other commentaries handle this. Let's see if they all approach this the same way. I'm going to look this up. I'm going to pull up a number of commentaries to see if there is any agreement here. All right. Let's see here. All right. Um, I'm going to, first, I'm going to read it from a number of different uh, translations. Luke 10, 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. There's the idea to test. Um, the New Living Translation, test. ESV, put him to the test. Berean Study Bible, test him. So, uh, King James, tempted. Um, let's see here. Do they have any test? I think they almost all go with test. A few go with uh, attempt. So there's not an issue with the actual language here. Let's see what other commentaries do here. Um, Okay, now this commentary argues 
that the tempting does not necessarily imply hostile purposes. It was simply a test question to see if the new teacher was sound in his view of the ethical obligations of the law. So they they give a more positive spin on it. Okay, he wasn't asking it for wrong reasons. He really believed, look, I've got to test you to see if you are sound in your view of the ethical requirements of the law. This was more like a, a... a test, not, oh, can we trap him? They believe that it was a test for more of a positive reason. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's read from another commentary. Tempted him, that is to say, tested him and his skill in answering questions out of the law, which then was the rule and guide of daily life in Israel. It's not unlikely that the lawyer hoped to convict the broad and generous rabbi of some orthodox statement, which would injure his reputation as a teacher. It was, it was a hard and comprehensive question, this queer, query how eternal life was to be won, and possibly one carefully prepared by the enemies of Jesus. So that one's kind of mixed. If, they, if the question was prepared by the enemies of Jesus, clearly there was some, uh, you know, a little... This wasn't truly a, an attempt to find answer as it was an attempt to trap. The, the other ways they write it, they, 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 at the first part of the commentary, they just seem to say, hey, they're just testing his ability to answer hard questions. But then they go on to think that the question could have been prepared by his enemies, which would call it all and that there was nothing honest and upright happening here. Let's look at some other commentaries. Let's see here. Um, let me see here. I'm, ju- I'm just going through and looking. Uh, see here. Um, no, that's not. Okay, that doesn't help here. That's not helpful. I think the text is going to give us a better answer. Um All right, so it seems here that he 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 answer, he asked this question, tempting him or trying him, basically expecting uh, that Jesus would somehow teach differently than Moses, and then then he could say, "See, look, everyone, he contradicted Moses. Therefore, he's not you know he's not the Messiah. Whatever." They seem to imply that there was some questionable reasons in this as well. Let's go here to. Uh, a number of, I'm just looking at as many commentaries here. All right. Tempted him, feigned a desire to be instructed, but did it to perplex him or to lead him, if possible, to contradict some of the maxims of the law. So this commentary is much more negative. Hey, he pretended to care, he, but he, this was all set up to trap Jesus. So they call into question. So we could go, you'll see that the commentaries either go, well, no, he really wasn't doing anything wrong here. This, he was just trying to determine how Jesus viewed the ethical requirements of the law. And then others are kind of like, well, I mean, maybe his motives were right, but it's, it's possible that these questions were prepared by the enemies of Jesus. Okay, well, that's that seems pretty negative. And then we get all the way. So we have not negative at all, that his motives were you know, not called into question, that it was mixed or the person was asking the question for completely the wrong reason, completely the wrong reason. So you have really three different approaches to it. I could probably go through commentaries and find more. It's always interesting when you get to a text, you have so many different opinions, but he, he asked the question to tempt him and we can, we could debate all day, but uh, on exactly what we think his motives are, but put it this way, his question should raise a question in your mind, in my mind, and in your church, and in my church, and in every ministry, and every Christian podcast. Why do we ask spiritual questions? Are we doing so for the right reason and for the right motive? Now, if you'll notice here, he asks the question, hey, what, what, what am I supposed to do to inherit eternal life, right? Jesus gives him an answer, right? But then notice this, verse 29, after he hears Jesus answer, but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus. So Jesus gives him an answer and he immediately then he's going to try to find a way to justify himself. I think the entire 
back and forth demonstrates that his motives were not that pure and were not that right. He wanted to trap Jesus is what it appears to me. He wanted to tempt Jesus and he wanted to ask questions and hope that Jesus would answer a certain way that I think would put him in conflict with the Old Testament law, which would then give the enemies of Jesus and a chance to attack him. Clearly couldn't be the Christ, clearly couldn't be the Messiah. He's contradicting the law, and they would immediately use it to, to discredit him and, and to try to stop his ministry in any meaningful way. I think the question, it was asked for wrong motivations. But even if you read it as it was being asked for right motivations, whether he asked the question for right or asked the question for wrong, it still raises the same question for us. Why do you ask spiritual questions? Why do you seek spiritual knowledge? Why do you study the Bible? Why do you read a Christian book? Why do you listen to a sermon? I want you to consider this that I wrote down in my notebook. There are times, whether we like it or not, and we see it right there in Luke 10, 25 and following, there's times we seek spiritual information. We seek answers. We start reading the Bible. We start studying. We start trying to find a Christian book on something. We try to find a sermon, and it's being done for no other reason than we hope to justify ourselves. We want to find something that will say, no, what you're going to do is right. No, what, you, what you're going to do, you're doing the right thing. It's perfectly okay to do that. It's perfectly okay. It's it, whatever, whatever the thing that we're looking to do, we will come to the Bible somewhere to justify. Justify our attitude, justify our actions, justify our words, justify our thoughts, justify so much. So many times we come to the Bible simply to find justification to show that we can do what we want to do and that we are right. Christians are famous for, and in and, and, and my estimation, and you can tell me whether you agree or disagree, I see this in churches all the time. I've seen it in the lives of pastors. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of lay people all over the place. We use God, we use God to, to get what we want. We, we, in a sense, we use God simply for our own agenda, our own agenda, our own purpose, our own will. But, but the minute we can attach God to it, then we, be, we, we're, we have the spiritual answer. We're, we're in the spiritual right. See, it's so easy for whatever you think, whatever you want. If you can attach God to your idea, your thought, your feelings, your wants, then you feel spiritually justified right? No, I'm doing this because God told me to do this. I'm doing this because God is leading me to do this. Oh, Christians love to do this. I'll just give you some stories so that you will see this. This comes into question where we, why do we, why, why do we seek spiritual answers or why do we turn to God? In many cases, we're doing so for the wrong reason, the wrong motivation. This person is there speaking to the eternal son of God, but he's using the opportunity well, to try to, his, for a wrong motive. His motives are impure. And our motives are constantly impure in how we use God. Let me explain. So, I have not been a Christian that long. I, I don't even think I'd been a Christian for a year. And my, my pastor, I, I, because, because of my testimony, he had taken me around to lots of different churches to give my testimony. And, and, and uh, he had taken me to conferences because basically any chance I got an opportunity to hear preaching or teaching, I was always, I was always showing up the, at the church asking theological questions, asking Bible questions. I was just always there wanting any opportunity. Here's a pastor. If, if I could just, if, if I can hang out with you all day, take me wherever you go, because I, I'm interested in all these kinds of things. I had a, I had a zeal, no knowledge, but I had a zeal. So uh, he, I don't know how, again, I don't know how long it had been. I think we had just gone to a conference. I think we had just gone to a conference, I think in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And as we're driving back, he, 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 he's going, he's not coming back the normal way. He's going like some other way. And I'm like, what's going on? I like, well, I got to go look at something. He goes, now, nobody knows this yet, so you can't tell anybody. But, but uh, I, I, I've been praying 
And I think God may be telling me that it's time to leave the church. Now, of course, now this is the point of my Christian life. I didn't, I, I still, I, I, everyone kept telling me that God talks to you outside of the Bible and all these kinds of things. This is Southern Baptist Church, but you can still see some of the charismatic concepts still already infiltrated way back then. But okay, but now, yeah, now I don't, I believe God only speaks to us through his word. I don't believe all of this. Oh, God told me this, or he, I feel this. He leads me this way. I believe it's the scriptures alone. I'm very dogmatic about that. But he, so he's telling me, I think God is telling me to leave. I'm like, okay. Interesting enough, you know, uh, God's telling you to leave. But what if I was to tell you that God told me that you're not to leave? Well, then who would be right? Okay, all right. But all right, we could we could just get into that whole thing. So I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit shocked. I'm a little bit sad. Okay, well, what what? You're my first pastor. You know, you're going to leave. Okay. So, but uh, so I didn't realize what where we, where we were where we were going. Having problems speaking tonight. I didn't know where we were going, but we end up going by this church. And I'm like, what? Oh, okay. So he has decided to go look at this church that obviously it's not that God has told him to leave. He's already has an offer to go to another church. Now, now I'm getting a little, it's not just like all of a sudden you've been praying and God feels like he's telling you to leave. No, 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 no. You already have an offer. You already been given an, an, an the offer to go to another church. So he's coming by to look at it. So he looks at the building. He goes by the parsonage. He already knows the things they're offering him, a car allowance. The parsonage is nice. It's a much bigger church than the church in little Tuscola, Texas. It's nice building. I mean, and he, and as he's talking about, you know, God supposedly telling him to leave, all of the, you know, they have, they run this many people on Sunday. They have this many uh, in the youth group and, 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 and they're, you know, and, and the more he talked, the more I was like, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Why would you just not be honest and say better opportunity, bigger church, more people, more pay, better for me to take care of my family. Why don't just be as fleshly and as honest as you can be. But then I started learning really quick. Christians don't do that. We've always got to spiritualize it. We've got to spiritualize it. No, it's God telling me to leave. God is telling me it's time to leave the church. God is calling me to another church. I see if we, if we bring God into it, well, then our actions are spiritual. Then the pastor can look at everyone. Peace out. See ya. Boom, he goes, he runs off to another church, in many cases, leaving that church behind with no shepherd, no no under-shepherd, I should say, obviously they have Christ, but they have no pastor. In many cases, those churches split, fall apart. I've seen it happen a million times. It's so weird. In the civilian world, many cases, when you're going to leave your job, you give notice, and then in many cases, you stay until your replacement is hired, and then you help prepare your replacement. But in the church, it's like, God told me to leave. See ya. Boom. And then the church falls apart. I'll never understand why Christianity accepts that. But all, but all the pastor has to say is, I feel God calling me to go. I feel God calling me to go. I feel, oh, oh, but see, so now you're just using, you're, you're using God for what you are motivated to do. This person is using spirituality, asking a theological question for wrong motives. He wants to trap Jesus. We use the name of God and the person of God for our own motives. You're getting, you're, you're getting frustrated with something going on in the church. You're getting tired of the people. You're getting irritated. You're just having problems. All of a sudden, God calls you to go to a bigger, better church. Why blame God for that? Why do we use God for that? Okay, I'll use another example. Saw this so many times in my military career. Oh, I got so tired of hearing it. Okay, so here's a, a young Christian couple, all right, in the military, right? They're all excited. They're young. They're in the military. And clearly, they're excited. They want to go to, they've got all these different places they want to go to. They want to use the opportunity, you know, be in the military, see different parts of the world. They're excited, but they're, but they're, they're, they are committed to God. They are committed to the word of God. So they, they, they're there. They find a good Bible believing church that preaches doctrine, that preaches truth. And they're there every time the doors open, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. And they're there. And you're like, wow, they're, they're committed and they're committed. And then, you know, they're there a year going into that second year. 
And once they start moving past that second to third year, all of a sudden, you start hearing things. You know, we're starting to think that God is, is calling us to move. We, we, we think God is, is telling us it's time to move. We, we think, we think, I, think, I think God wants us to move. And, and you always know as soon as you start hearing this what that means for those, in, for those not in the military. That means they went down and they pulled up their, it's called their dream sheet, where you can put down the bases you want to be stationed at right? Because after so many years, there's an opportunity you may get moved. So they go and they put the bases they want. It's God supposedly calling them, but they're going and changing their dream sheet to certain bases. Oh, we want to go to Japan. We want to go wherever, wherever, Hawaii, wherever it may be. And it's like, isn't that amazing? You think God's calling you to do so, so God, but God can't move you. No, no, no. You got to go fill out that dream sheet. You got to update your choices so that there's a greater possibility of your choice being seen and you're getting an assignment so that you can be moved. I watched it so many times. They do that. They move. They don't even care. They don't even look to see where they're going to possibly going. Is there a good church? So many times they end up, guess what? Can't find a good church here. We're just having a hard time finding a good church here. I'm like, yeah, kind of interesting that you left a good church and God sent you somewhere where there isn't a good church. Now you're not going to church, but it was God telling you, even though you manipulated and worked the entire situation because you wanted to. Why can't you just say, we want to move. We're going to go change our dream sheet so that we can move. Peace out, everyone. Why don't just say that? No, 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 no. Christians can't do that. See, we've got a motive, but we cover it up in spirituality. We cover it up in our own spirituality. I've seen pastors do that about them getting called to another church. People who want to move, leave a church to go, well, to wherever they want to go without ever thought of finding a good church because they, they just want to move. I've seen it so many different ways. I've seen teenage girls start dating some guy that clearly is not a Christian. Clearly there's problems, but you know what? I just, I feel God is telling me this is okay. I feel, I've seen people use God to justify pretty much anything and everything. So I will, sometimes we ask spiritual questions simply to justify ourselves. Sometimes we'll go, well, does the Bible really say that? Well, I, I, you know, I studied the Bible. Yeah, you studied the Bible to justify yourself. This person asked a question to trap Jesus. And then, let me go back and read it all again. Luke 10, 25. Luke 10, 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit life? Okay, he's doing that to tempt him. And then when Jesus answers, notice this. But willing to justify himself, he said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He asked another question. There are two questions asked. In every case, in both cases, this, this lawyer is asking questions all for ulterior motives, for deceptive motives. He's not doing so for the right reason, for the right motive. It's all wrong. How many times in your Christian life have you used God to justify yourself? It, it, Christian, it's so weird how Christians do this. No, I, I make the joke all the time. It usually offends Christians, but that's okay. Christians may be the only people that I know who can get together just to put food in their mouth, right? Talk about the weather, talk about a football game, just whatever, just get together, eat some food and talk about the most mundane surface level stuff on the face of the earth and then walk away saying, that was a good time of fellowship. That was a good time of fellowship. You just hung out with friends and ate food and talked. There was a group of atheists right across the street doing the exact same thing you were. There was no quote unquote fellowship. It was just hanging out. But Christians, we always have to bring God and to make it sound more spiritual, to sound more godly. And, and, and I feel in many cases, what we're doing is really, we're taking God's name almost in vain. We're, 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 we're being manipulative we're, because we, we, will, we, we try to use God to justify whatever we want to do. We, we manipulate the whole concept of God for our own agenda and our own purpose. 
This lawyer shows up to ask Jesus a, a question. He also may ask two questions. One question is to justify himself. The other question is to tempt or trap Jesus. His entire motives were wrong. How many times have you sought spiritual truth or used God, used spiritual things simply to justify yourself? I have done it. You have done it. We have all done it. Okay, no, no, no amens tonight. All right, that's all right. No, no amens tonight. All right, that's all right. Let, let's go to the second one, all right? So the first reason we sometimes seek spiritual information, ask spiritual questions, use God, is simply to justify ourselves. Number two, sometimes the only reason we're seeking spiritual information or asking spiritual questions, we're simply doing it to condemn others. Sometimes we ask spiritual questions simply so that we can gain information that we can condemn other people. Now, this one is a little bit more subtle. It is perfectly okay to study the Bible and realize, man, that, 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 that's going to condemn some people I know, and that proves that some people I know are wrong, or that, that proves that some people believe a false doctrine. I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that sometimes... We go, we go looking for spiritual truth and spiritual answer, answers just because we're mad at someone, we're upset with someone, or we disagree with someone, and we want the spiritual ammunition so that we can shoot at them. Not with a physical gun, but with a spiritual gun. Sometimes we just load up our spiritual gun so that we're like, okay, now I'm ready. I've got the bullets in. All right, all right, come on, come on. Boom, 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 boom. And we just start shooting people. Not physically, this is an allegory, okay? We start doing so spiritually. Sometimes we seek spiritual information and spiritual answer simply so that we can condemn others. Now, it's one thing to study the Bible and realize that someone is wrong, but I, I think sometimes we can do so. We're trying to find the answer so that we can just condemn someone. We're just trying to find the answers so that we can tell other people how wrong they are. And I think that's that's a questionable way, reason. Some people will use God for the same thing. I've told the story before. United States military. We're an airman leadership school. They have one of these ethics class that we have to take. Um, and they put us in a, a classroom on one side of the room. There's a sign that says, uh, strongly agree. There's another side of the room that says, agree. There's uh, one side of the room that says, strongly disagree or disagree. There's like four categories, right? So they ask you these like very controversial questions about morality, about ethics, right? And then they get everyone to debate. Now, one of the things they're trying to show is that in the military, you're going to work with people from different backgrounds and different perspectives. You got to know how to work, work together. To me, it was just, it's just a foolish exercise it's just a bunch of people who've never thought about anything philosophically, theologically, morally, all of a sudden now act like that they're philosophers, theologians. Oh, I just, oh, it, it, the whole exercise bothered me and I just always refused and sat in the middle of the classroom and then I would get, then they would get irritated with me. I'm like, I'm not playing your little reindeer games. I can't stand this. Okay, but that's a whole different story. But the whole time there in Airman Leadership School, most of the people I went to school with, they were always talking about, oh, you know, got so drunk last night, went to the strip club, whatever the case may be, all these things that they were doing. Oh, you know, I'm trying to hook up with this person. Just basically demonstrating a real major lack of morality in, 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 in so many different areas. Not saying that I was any be better than any of them. I'm just saying that clearly they were loud and proud about their behavior that most people would call into question maybe about the morality. At least Christians would. At least the Bible would clearly condemn their morality. Let's put it that way. All right. Now, all of a sudden we end up in this setting and they mention homosexuality and gay marriage. Oh boy. All of a sudden, it's wrong, it's unnatural, it's horrible, and, and to, to, to try to prove their point. And then all of a sudden, many of them started saying, and the Bible condemns it. And the Bible, I don't know how many, all of a sudden they throw out, the Bible condemns it. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So I'm sitting in the middle of the classroom and like, and they're like, you know, the, the teacher what do you have to say? What I have to say is that this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever saw. All of a sudden, all of you are quoting the Bible. 
Well, the Bible condemns all of your behavior that you've been loud and proud about all day. But now all of a sudden we're going to use the Bible because I've got to condemn something. Sometimes we seek spiritual truth simply to condemn. If you think about it, this lawyer in Luke 10 is asking questions so that he can find a way to, to basically get Jesus trapped so that Jesus can be condemned. And we see that with the Pharisees and Sadducees a number of times. So sometimes we seek spiritual answers. Sometimes we use God simply to, uh, to, to, to justify ourselves, to, to get our way. We're just using God's name to get our way. We do that a lot. We seek spiritual information to justify ourselves. Secondly, sometimes we seek spiritual information so that we have the gun so that we can condemn others. Sometimes, oh, I know this is going to get me in trouble. This is going to get me in trouble. Sometimes you have a Christian parent going, hey, pastor, hey, I, I got a question. Like my kids arguing with me about this or my kids are wanting to do this or my kids are wanting to do this or whatever the case may be. And, you know, can you give me a scripture? I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. So you are coming to me just to get a scripture so that you can go tell your kids that, that behavior is wrong and you can't do it. It, it just seems to me like, I, and now some say, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying it just seems like such a weird reason to seek spiritual information so that you can go to someone and say, nope, you can't do it. That behavior is condemned. I've got three verses. Not that you studied or what were you reading and studying the Bible on your own? No, no, no. You got to seek spiritual information simply that you now have the ability to condemn. I, I, I'm just, we just have to ask ourselves, why do we ask the spiritual questions that we ask and why do we seek spiritual information and why do we sometimes use God to justify ourselves and we simply use God in order to condemn others? Number three. Oh, this one bothers me all day long. Some people ask spiritual questions simply to win a debate. <laughs> oh, there's nothing, there's nothing that bothers me more than this one. I have watched it too many times. I've seen people claim to be Christians go to church with them. They never talk the Bible. They never talk theology. They never really talk about any of that. Not that they're demonstrating some great level of ungodliness. They just don't seem very interested in reading Christian books, listening to sermons, or any of that. But but they, they, they do, well, you know, they, they, they still claim to be a Christian and may even try to tell people about Christ or whatever. But I knew someone, again, in the military, a young couple. The husband was had come into contact with someone in his, uh, his unit uh, in the military, who was, I, I can't remember, I think it was a strong charismatic or maybe a one is Pentecostal, I can't remember, but clearly some major theological issues. And so they got into a conversation and he, well, he got turned backwards and forwards and upside down and he got turned in and out and he left the conversation mad, he, he left the conversation frustrated, he left the conversation irritated, he felt stupid and he was mad. So he came over like... Hey, I need your help. I need your help. I need, give me some books. Give me some, I, because this guy was telling me this, this, and this, and this, and this. And so then like a part of me was like, in fact, I think I even said it. I'm like, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're wanting to get some information and now you want to read and now you want to study because you want to be able to go back and prove that you're right and he was wrong. And I'm like, that's the, not the reason you study God's word. You don't go to God's word. So, oh, come on, come on. I need, I need some information so I can go win that argument. I can win that debate. Yeah, I, I can't. I, that drives me crazy. It drives me crazy even as a pastor. Like, you know, hey, we're going to be studying this. I, I want everyone in the church to participate. I want everyone to do this Bible study exercise. I want everyone in the church to outline this, or I want everyone in the church to read this, and I want you to check this, all right? We're all going to study this together. You ready, set, go, all right? Then you'll find out, you know, 75% of the church not doing it, not reading it, not studying, not doing anything until they hear that you say something they disagree with. 
And then all of a sudden, dun, 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 sometimes in the sermon, they're back there with their Bible, they're looking up verses, and they're writing down, and they're like, and they're and, you're, and you want to say, hey, what, what's the problem? Back? Oh, I know the problem. You disagreed with me. Oh, you couldn't bother to be doing the study any other time. But now, 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 now. And you always can see it coming. They come marching up right after, doom, 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 doom. Well, what about this? And what about this? And what about that? I'm like, oh, you were back there studying. I, I, I'm glad to see you decided to study during my sermon instead of listening. But yeah, go ahead. Let's argue now. And there's nothing more irritating than that. It's like you don't study just because now you want to win a debate. You don't start asking spiritual questions just because you're trying to win a debate. You study the word of God because it's the word of God. It is truth. It is your spiritual food. Now, yes, in gaining that, you do get information so that you can win an argument. And there's nothing wrong with using it to win an argument or a spiritual debate when doctrine and theology and truth is on the line. But if you just get motivated to do it, to win a debate, sometimes it's less about God. It's more about your ego. It's about your own pride. I can't... I see this mainly in, in Christian men. I can't say I don't, it, may, it probably happens within Christian women, but I've seen it more in Christian men. Nothing will motivate them to read or to find some answers when like being in an argument and they don't feel like that they won or got the best of, they're going to they're gonna go back prepared because they want to win. That's not about God. That's not about theology. That's not about doctrine. That's about you. And now you're using scripture and the pursuit of, of scripture for your own agenda, for your own self-exaltation. Have you ever asked spiritual questions? Have you ever sought spiritual truth for the wrong reason and the wrong motive? Have you ever sought spiritual truth, spiritual answers, in a sense used God simply to justify yourself, simply so that you have the weapon to condemn others, or simply to win a debate? Simply to win a debate. That that young guy who asked, I mean, he was he was he was like, I'm gonna, and he even said these words, I'm gonna study this, I'm gonna be so prepared. Next time I'm gonna win the argument. And it's like right there, it's like that the whole the whole thing was a fleshly, it was a fleshly endeavor. There was nothing godly or spiritual about what he was doing. He was using God's word to gain information so he could win a debate so that he could say he won. That is not the right motivation. I'm going to put a number four here. I already, I, I had just four points, but I'm going to put another four because this person tries it to do, to do, to do this to Jesus. I'm going to put to trap. Have you, now in this case, have, not have you asked spiritual questions, but have you ever asked spiritual questions to someone? Have you ever asked spiritual questions to someone to trap them? In other words, you ask spiritual questions as a debate, as a debate tactic, tactic, if I can speak correctly this evening. You ask a spiritual question as a debate tactic. Now, I know how to do these tactics. Um, I was on the debate team. Um, and I, I, in some ways, I love doing this. But sometimes, and th- this one's hard. If you're, if you're talking to someone, you're having a major theological disagreement back and forth. Sometimes you ask a question because you're asking the question to set them up so that their wrong answer will lead them to hopefully coming to realize that what they believe is wrong. I think your your motivation can be, I'm going to ask the spiritual question so that it will lead them into an answer that's going to, they're going to feel trapped by so that I can show them the truth. The only problem is sometimes this can be done simply to make them look stupid or make them look foolish so that you walk away feeling victorious. For example, I'll just use this. Um, in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church that I uh, attended while I was in Nebraska, we, we, they, we every, was it Thursday night? Uh, there were certain nights we had to do door-to-door. I was in the Bible Institute. If you, you had to do door-to-door once a week or whatever the case may be, there, was, there were certain rules. But so many times the men, when they came back from our door-to-door evangelism, they would come back and they were like, oh, this, per- this person started arguing with me, and then I asked them this question, boom, they didn't have an answer. I mean, I, as soon as I asked that question, I knew that they were trapped. And it's almost like it was like 
talking about a sport sporting event. Man, I asked that question. They did not even have an answer. They didn't even know what to say. Now, I've done some of those same things and have bragged about it, especially dealing with Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses that I've worked and worked and worked really hard to be able to try to, to, to deal with their doctrine and theology. But there are times when dealing with a Mormon missionary or a Jehovah's Witness, we, I mean, ask a question, knowing that I'm going to a certain point. Now, it's one thing to do that. Again, this, this one is very, this one is hard to know what's right and what's wrong here. Because in one sense, I'm setting them up. Right, So I'm asking a spiritual question simply for them to answer a certain way so that I can demonstrate the, the falsehood of their doctrine. I don't think that that's necessarily wrong. It just depends on what, you, what you're doing with it, right? If I do that and I'm like, okay, so do you see now? And I'm, I'm showing compassion. It's not arrogance. It's not me trying to look, ooh, I showed them. But there's plenty of times that after I would tell the story and it became more about me, than me trying to help that person. Therefore, now it became wrong. So I asked a spiritual question for trying to do spiritual good, but then I took it and turned it into, look at how good I asked that question and they didn't have an answer. See how foolish they are. You've heard those stories. You've heard Christian men. You've heard pastors tell those stories. So when you ask other spiritual questions, what what are you hoping to do? Are, are are, Are you just trying to trap someone? I I hate that feeling. I hate that feeling. But there are times either I will get an email or maybe someone at church will ask me a question. And I hate when I start feeling this way. I'll hear the question and I'll get ready to answer. And then I'll stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I'm being set up here. I think I'm being set up. I think if I answer it this way, they're they're, going to spring the trap. There's a trap. And as soon as I start thinking of that, I'm like, why? That's not the right way. That's not the right way to think. But you've probably had that as well. Someone asks you a question, or or especially as a Christian podcaster, you get that email and you're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If I answer it this way. And I hate that I have to do that. But it's people do that all the time. So I can't worry about what other people do. I have to worry about do I ask spiritual questions to others sometimes for the wrong reasons or the wrong motivations? Sometimes maybe I ask it for the right reason and the right motivation, but then I take that special moment where you're having a very serious, important conversation with someone created in the image of God, and then you're utilizing it just to, well, make you yourself look smarter, more wise, more spiritual, more godly. So, let me ask this again. Why do you ask spiritual questions? To justify yourself? To condemn others? To win a debate? To trap others? Or do you ask spiritual questions simply to find truth? Do you ask spiritual questions simply to find truth, whether you like it, whether it justifies you, whether it condemns you, whether it makes you lose the debate, whether it traps you, you're just going to go to, you're, you're, you're not going to look to God to get your way. You look to God to find truth. You don't look to God to manipulate for your purpose or for your agenda. You don't look to scripture for your purpose or your agenda. You look to scripture for one reason and one reason only to discover truth. No matter what it, no matter what it does, no matter what it does, no matter if it slaps you, condemns you, helps you, hurts you, makes you sad, makes you happy, makes you glad, makes you depressed, makes you discouraged. You just go and say, here is the word of God. It is not mine. Whatever it says, that's what I want. That's what I want. Sometimes when, when people ask me a question, sometimes I, 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 I'm almost tempted now. It's taken me a long time. I almost want to stop and go, let me ask you, what do you want? What, what do you want? What do you really want? You're asking me a spiritual question. What do you really, 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 really want right now? What do you want? You want to try to prove me that, that I'm wrong? Do you try to prove your point? You're going to try to prove my point. What is your real motivation in asking me that question? 
And whenever I open the Bible and I'm reading and I'm studying something, why am I really reading it? Why am I really studying it? Because I'm trying to justify myself. Am I trying to condemn others? Am I trying to win a debate? Or am I simply trying to find truth? Here came a lawyer. Luke 10.25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Did he really want to know how, what he needed to do to inherit eternal life? Or he had already had his mind made up on what you have to do to inherit eternal life. Did he already have his mind? He's only asking Jesus not to gain truth. He just wants to know Jesus' answer so that he can what? Trap him, prove him, disprove him. Is he really speaking spiritual truth? Jesus gives the answer. He appears not to like the answer. He seems to possibly be condemned by said answer. So what does he do in Luke 10, 29? The, the same lawyer, but willing, but, but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, he doesn't want truth. He wants, I guess, himself to be justified. Why do you ask spiritual questions? Why do you ask spiritual questions? That, I think that is a... I th- I'm sorry, I got pencils in my hand. I got pencils in my hand. I'll put them down, put them down. I always start picking them up when I, when I start thinking. Why, why do you ask them? I, I guess that what I want you to take from this and I know we, I, and again, the whole purpose tonight was just to look at this, basically this one concept in Luke 10, because this is what struck me when I started spending time with it, is I just started asking myself, how many times have I asked spiritual questions for the wrong reason? I, I, I used God for the wrong reason, simply to justify myself, simply to condemn others, simply to win a debate, simply to trap someone. And how many times do I truly seek God's word simply to find truth? That's a question you have to ask yourself. You can email me your thoughts about this. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I hope this went okay. We, we had a few problems there at the beginning that uh, really makes me mad because I was wanting to just have a, a, a problem-free episode, but we've had so many issues with the internet over the last 24 hours that when we started, for some weird reason, the Church One app stopped working, the software, and then it came back on and restarted the broadcast. So I, I don't know why it did that. I wish I had some answer. Uh, everything for Spreaker worked fine. We'll probably try, I'm going to probably try to do at least something else tonight because I want to make sure everything is working out. But I, um, okay, okay, good. I I hope so. I hope so. Someone said, uh, thank you. It went good on Spreaker. Okay, good. I I didn't know anybody was listening. So, okay, that's good. That's good. I appreciate it. But um, I was wanting everything to go well. And so at the beginning, I was getting all discombobulated um, because I'm trying to talk and I'm just looking at that, the green light here turning red going uh oh church one church one is crashing church one is crashing and then i start thinking okay wait at any second spreaker is going to start saying reconnecting reconnecting but i'm trying to talk i'm trying to talk and i'm just keep looking 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 so i got a little discombobulated there but it's what happens when you're live on the air and you're looking at all the meters it's not like you have a producer behind a glass window who can put up their hand going hey stop stop we got a problem no, no, it's, uh, it, I'm sitting there looking at it. So it's my own fault, but um, I should have just kept teaching and just whatever happened, happened. But so hope it went well. Now, now I want to do it over. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the table. I'm hitting the table. Now I want to do it over, but I can't. I'm not, I can't do it over. We're n- I'm never going to get cut. Well, see, I told you, I told you I wasn't going to try to catch up, but see, see how my thinking is going. All right. But, um. I hope, I hope someone else who looked at Luke 10, 25, and I hope this, I hope these same issues came to their mind. I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not the only person who saw this. I hope that someone else like, you know, I saw the same thing. I hope other people are like, 
what are you even talking about? I don't even think that that's, that's relevant. I, I think it's relevant to the text because you got someone asking a question and whether you think his motives were right or motives were wrong, clearly when he starts asking a question to justify himself, clearly at that point his motives are wrong. So either you've got good motives, wrong motives, he uses both, or both of them are wrong. And either way, it raises questions about how we seek spiritual truth and what we do with the things of God to either justify, to condemn others, to win a debate, to trap others, or do we just do that for, okay, um, or do we uh, do it to find truth? All right, someone said, someone is being nice. Now, this, the person who's being nice, I pay them money to be nice, so, you know, can't really trust what they say, but, but they're saying that it was good. I appreciate it. Good. I appreciate it. All right, I'll stop there, All right? Okay, good. See, there were people listening. I, there were people listening. I, I did not know anybody was listening. I, I, I did not know I was listening. All right, so that's good. All right, good. Thank you. I greatly appreciate both individuals for listening. Probably went longer than it should. All right, there we go. All right, we'll stop for now, and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do next. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great evening. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. It's 107 degrees right now. <laughs> And it's hot in this room. All right. Okay. All right. Everyone have a good night. God bless.